you heard the expression, so-and-so's not in his right mind? And that's a wonderful expression. So-and-so's not in his right mind. Uh, if someone were sort of twitching around in front of you and another person came up and said, so-and-so's not in his right underpants. <laughs> you would forgive them, wouldn't you? Oh, they're not in their right underpants. Of course they're twitching around. See. <laughs> You're not your old self today. That's another good one. You're not your old self today. This talk this morning is about washing dishes and things like that. And the reason I thought that we might talk about those kinds of things is that we have a tendency to think that meditation or prayer or the work, the conscious work that we do to become more aware of reality, of truth, of the love of God, of the perfection of each person around us, the actual work that we do, we tend to think lies more in our periods of quiet, our periods of certain posture, the reading of certain books, the saying of certain words, and so there's a tendency to relegate the entire rest of the day to the ego. And ego is used in this church simply as a synonym for the fearful part of our mind. The craziness that we all have. And so in the little things that we do, like shopping, and cleaning up and unlocking the front door and starting the car and a thousand other little tasks and duties, we have actually our primary opportunity to practice the presence of God. If we were to go about these things in the right way, we could indeed pray without ceasing. We could meditate without any interruption. There's a way to be happy in any situation. And as I've mentioned here before, it is interesting how many of the spiritual teachers of the past have talked about washing dishes. Entire books have been written on this subject. Now, I'm not going to stay just on that, but I'd like to just discuss these sort of common everyday things that we do and see if there's not a way to make of that a meditation, to make of that a happiness and a peace and a luxury, the, the luxurious rapture of peace. Is there any way to bring the presence of Christ, the presence of your true self, the presence of love into these little details. It's simply a matter of being your old self. At this point, we have a split mind. Part of it has established a little life in the world. You have established a life in the world. This little life has a personality and a history and certain characteristics. It reacts in a certain way to certain foods and the way people look. It's different than the way other people react. This little life that you have established for yourself in the world is very, very important to you. And it's all right to recognize just how important this little life is. We don't like our name talked about. We open our ears a little wider when we hear our name spoken about. We are quick to defend our particular preferences, 
and tastes and judgments and positions. Very, very quick to do that. We endlessly compare our position on almost any point to what someone else is saying. And we assume, of course, that our position is right and that everyone else's is wrong, although we just finished changing our position. <laughs> the other part of the mind contains your true self, your real self. Some of you are aware now of your true self. You have felt this. There's this term of being called by God. And that's a, it's a nice expression. And it feels somewhat that way. You have felt a calling. You have felt an awakening. Now, sometimes a pe people feel this have this experience, and then they go back into the world and it's lost, sometimes for a very long time. Sometimes, though, it is not lost, and a journey has begun. There is no difference between one person and another, but on the level of the world, there is a difference between those who have begun a spiritual journey, who now have a single purpose, and those who are still terribly conflicted because their perception of their self, of reality, of the love of God, is so dim that they don't really believe it. And it is possible for someone whose perception of truth and of love, someone whose perception of that is quite dim, to appear to have a personality that seems to be very spiritual. Because you can actually study spiritual texts and you can actually see what the mannerisms that most people on a spiritual journey assume at a particular time. And so it's possible for an individual to, to sort of develop a, a persona that will seem to others quite spiritual. We are not in a position to judge. We are incapable of judging how far along another person is. Generally speaking, unless, unless it is something quite extreme, we are simply in no position to do that because an awakening can come at any moment. And there can be a, what A Course in Miracles calls a holy instant that takes someone a thousand years ahead in just an instant. And we do not know who is on the brink of such a perception, no matter how they may be acting out their ego at the present time. You do not even know what is happening with you. So as I speak about these things, it would not be helpful for you to even try to rank yourself and ask yourself where on this continuum that, that we're talking about are you placed. It is simply a fact that a time does come in which you make a decision. Because you have seen the presence of God to some degree, you have experienced your true self to some degree, and now your course is set once that has happened you will never fall off the spiritual path again but if you are at that point or if you're at the point of where your awareness of God is still very 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 dim and you're not quite sure whether to believe all this stuff your approach is the same what you should do is the same and that's why there is no need to know how far along we are or how far along others are in comparison to us. But there is a transitional period, and many of you are in it, and it is a very difficult time. It is not quite so difficult as the time that precedes it in which you are in immense conflict because the ego is just about all you know. 
And the ego has even divided itself up into higher ego and your common everyday ego. The higher ego being the ego that now is studying spiritual texts and spouting spiritual truths. And so there's this, there's this conflict. <clears throat> Never are you in conflict between, with your real self. The real self is not known by the ego. And the real self does not fight the ego. There is no true fight within you. Your mind is split, but there is no war going on between the two sides. Because although the side that lies in Christ, the side that is holy and peaceful, and that remembers your home, and that knows your outcome, although that side does know the ego, it does not magnify it. It does not place importance on it. It gives it no more thought than you would give the dream that is disturbing your own child. You wish merely to wake your child from the disturbing dream, but you do not want to know all the details of the dream. Of course, our deeper mind, our higher self, does know all the details of the dream, but it does not place the importance on it that we do. It sees how temporary and passing this is. So there is a stage of immense conflict. Often it goes unnoticed because at that point you will be blaming things outside yourself for what has happened to you. And so when you are unhappy or depressed or sad or angry, immediately you will look for something external to blame. Once you set your sights on home, once you realize that something else is going on, that there is a presence, there is a something, there is a light, that you yearn for this light and you wish to walk toward this light. And perhaps you've felt the touch of this light upon your heart and the blessing of this light upon a moment of the day or perhaps an entire day or several days. And you know you want that above all else. Once you begin that spiritual journey, then there is another kind of conflict, if you'd like to call it that. And that is the conflict of making mistakes. And this cannot be avoided. You will make mistakes that will bring you back to the world, back into the world, back into the importance of the world. You'll get caught up again in things that are not important. And these very things, these very mistakes which you have made over and over again, all of your life, they are not new mistakes. Then maybe the farm's a little different. But these mistakes will now hurt you more. They will cause you more pain. Because you now realize that they are a delay. You know now that this delays your walk home. And above all else, you wish to walk home. And it is good to know that you cannot avoid making mistakes in that transitional period before the ego has become so weak that it can no longer assert itself and, and dominate your mind. At least that's the feeling. We, of course, choose the ego. The ego is, in fact, a choice. And so it doesn't actually grab us or something. But it can feel that way. Suddenly the world is closed in on us again. We feel helpless and at loss. Now, many of you are in this transitional period now. As I say, don't try to figure out whether what stage you're in because there's no way to determine it. And what you do is the same no matter what point you are. The truth is so simple. That it remains exactly itself at every single point along your journey home. And what you are to do, although the words may change and the application may change given a particular situation, the truth remains exactly the same. And what you are to do and what would be most helpful and what will make you most happy 
and what will bring peace to your life remains exactly the same. So concentrate on what to do, not on where you are and how you rank against others. Say to yourself, I am incapable of judging. And if I were capable of judging, I would choose not to. So there's nothing to judge, but there is something to do. And that is to choose your real self, to be your old self. To have your right mind. And to do that, it will feel as if you are exerting your will. It will seem as if it, is, it requires enormous effort. Do not be afraid of this effort. Do not be afraid to give the time that you feel is necessary to this pursuit. Now, of course, you want to avoid this sense of sacrifice that the ego will offer you. Doing things that distress you, going past the point in your meditation, for example, in which you can receive anything worthwhile from it. It will, the ego will make all kinds of rules and tell you you must do this and you must do that and you must spend so much time at this and so much time at that. And that's not, of course, not what we're speaking of here. We're speaking of making an effort now and monitoring, monitoring your sense of pleasure in the effort and following it, but allowing yourself to make the effort because it is pleasurable. And perhaps even going a second or two beyond the point of pleasure just to see if on this occasion the ego steps aside. That is all right. It's consciously done. But the way home has nothing to do with distress and rules and drudgery. But it does have to do with effort. I would like to read you uh, a little bit from A Course in Miracles. I usually don't read from A Course in Miracles uh, during these services, although we begin with a reading from them. This is lesson number 97, I Am Spirit. Today's idea identifies you with your one self. It accepts no split identity nor tries to weave opposing factors into unity. It simply states the truth. Practice this truth today as often as you can, for it will bring your mind from conflict to the quiet fields of peace. No chill of fear can enter, for your mind has been absolved of madness, letting go illusions of a split identity. We state again the truth about yourself, the Holy Son of God who rests in you, whose mind has been restored to sanity. You are the Spirit lovingly endowed with all your Father's love and peace and joy. You are the Spirit which completes Him and shares His function as Creator. He is with you always as you are with Him. Today we try to bring reality still closer to your mind each time you practice Awareness is brought a little nearer, at least. Let me just stop right there. This is so important to understand. We are not in a position to judge the effort we are presently making. And so perhaps you were here last Sunday and you heard me suggest <clears throat> stopping for 30 seconds and having your mind empty and quiet and still for 30 seconds and then saying from your heart that you want to know yourself. You want to know reality. You want to know how much God loves you. You want to know the truth of being. Whatever words come to you. Whatever echoes this deep, deep yearning in your heart. You say those words. Now, we are not in a position to understand the effect that that 30 seconds or 30 five or 40 seconds 
has. At this point, it is only uh, up to us to make the effort and trust that it is having its effect. Because otherwise, the ego will come in and try to describe to you certain emotions. An emotion you had on a particular occasion, and it will say, well, you didn't, you didn't have that emotion this time. Or this particular thing didn't happen. And it will point to some psychical uh, event. And, and you'll well, I didn't have that feeling, or this particular thing didn't happen. And truth and the peace of God, of course, have nothing to do with those things. So you make the effort over and over and over. And you will have a general overall sense, eventually, this I can promise you, of tremendous progress. But it will not necessarily come in the terms that your ego thinks that it will. And the payoff may not seem to be there at the exact moment that you expected it to. And of course it has nothing to do with changing the events of your life and making them more the way your ego would like them to be. It has nothing to do with uh, having people like you or getting someone to fall in love with you or fall back in love with you or getting a particular job or adding more money to your bank account or any of those things. It has nothing to do with that. There is no way to judge the effort except in a very broad and general way, you will begin to recognize a song beginning in your heart. And you will especially know when you delay. You will especially know when you have turned from the light and now you're walking back in darkness. And you will know that you've made a mistake. And what do you do when you make a mistake? Ah, your ego will say, Try to remember the last time you had peace. What happened? What did you do? You had peace on this particular occasion, on this particular day, on this morning. Go back and try to remember what you did. Of course, that's ridiculous. It has nothing to do with what you did. There is no way to figure that out. There's no rule to write. There's no trick to any of this. Although it seems tricky and magical, it's here one minute and gone the next. And this can be extremely confusing if you try to figure it out. Because you really don't understand what you did to have peace one moment and what you did another moment to lose it. The answer is don't try to figure it out. What do you do if you make a mistake? And you know when you've made a mistake. Because you aren't happy any longer. And the world is closed back upon you. What do you do when you make a mistake? You simply begin again. You simply begin again. And when do you begin again? Right now you begin again. And notice the tremendous resistance that your ego will feel to this simple approach. Oh, I made a mistake. Let me do something now. Let me walk toward the light now. Let me do something that I know has a chance of bringing me closer to God now, of softening my heart, of relaxing my body, of blessing my friends. Let me do something right now and then do it. Don't think about it a second longer. You made the mistake and you begin again. Today we try to bring reality still closer to your mind. Each time you practice, awareness is brought a little nearer at least. Sometimes a thousand years or more are saved. The minutes which you give are multiplied over and over, for the miracle makes use of time, but is not ruled by it. The miracle makes use of washing dishes, filling up your car with gas, makes use of anything that you give to it. Salvation is a miracle, the first and last, the first that is the last, for it is one. 
You are the spirit in whose mind abides the miracle in which all time stands still. The miracle in which a minute spent in using these ideas becomes a time that has no limit and that has no end. Give then these minutes willingly and count on him who promised to lay timelessness beside them. He will offer all his strength to every little effort that you make. Give him the minutes which he needs today. Do you see in this message in A Course in Miracles and in this church and in a thousand other groups and churches across this country, do you notice that no one is asking you to change your behavior? There is no membership in this church. We'd ask, in fact, that did you cease recommending this church uh, unless someone you're sure someone wants to hear about it, you see. There is no organization connected with the Course in Miracles. There's no hierarchy. We do pass a little box uh, before the service begins, but no one here receives any money for this. There are no followers. No one can worship me. They can't even get a hold of me. <laughs> what is the thrust of this message? It has nothing to do with the world. There is no worldly gain. And no one giving you this message wishes any worldly gain from it. Why then is it given? Why were these books written? Because the time has come for us to wake up. We are now ready to wake up. The world is now ready to turn from this tired, tired journey into nothingness and chaos and good guys and bad guys and bitterness and wars and schemes and issues. And one hill after another to climb up and then be disappointed. The message is not that we rail against the world or we denounce the world, but we see simply that we no longer wish the world. We wish the light of God. We wish our home. We wish our true self. And that is the only purpose of the message. Is that those who have relinquished their egos, and I am not one of them, those who have relinquished their egos call to us now to awake. And to help each other. And many of you have heard that calling. All you need to do is give the time. Don't worry how you give the time. That is ego coming in and delaying you. It doesn't matter how you give the time. How you make the effort. What words you say. What system you follow. It only matters that you do it. Do it when you remember to do it. And do it without delay. And don't judge the results. And don't look back on the results. And analyze them. And don't try to figure out how to improve the effort. Just make the effort as the effort comes to you to make at this time. Use the words that come to you. Give him the minutes which he needs today to help you understand with him you are the spirit that abides in him. And that calls through his voice to every living thing. Offers his sight to everyone who asks. Replaces error with the simple truth. The Holy Spirit will be glad to take these minutes from your hands. And carry them around this aching world where pain and misery appear to rule. He will not overlook one open mind that will accept the healing gifts they bring. He will lay them everywhere he knows they will be welcome. And they will increase in healing power each time someone accepts them as his thoughts and uses them to heal. Thus will each gift to him be multiplied a thousandfold and tens of thousands more. And when it is returned to you, it will surpass in might the little gift you gave as much as does the radiance of the sun outshine the tiny gleam a firefly makes an uncertain moment and goes out. The steady brilliance of this light remains and leads you out of darkness. Nor will you be able to forget the way again. So we have talked about these moments of 
of stillness, of stopping. Every time that you remember to stop. And I'm going to add just a little bit to that this morning. I'm going to reverse this procedure that that, uh, we talked about last time just a little bit and suggest that you might want to try a little different approach this coming week every time you remember. So last time I suggested that first you still your mind for 30 seconds. It doesn't matter whether it's 30 seconds or 29 seconds or 28 seconds. It doesn't matter whether your mind is perfectly still or whether or not you have a random thought or so forth. I'm just talking about 30 30 seconds in the sense of you pause a little bit, you see. But I actually timed it to give you a sense of what 30 seconds, how little it is. And I made a very rash statement. I said, you could do that a thousand times a day. Did anybody add that up? (laughs) Someone did, and it came out to eight hours. So it wasn't an overstatement, was it? Now, let's let's reverse that. And let's do it a little differently. Now, so if you'll close your eyes. Let's first do it the way I suggested, which is that you just empty your mind of everything as best you can. Quiet your mind and let it be still. No stillness. It's a luxurious and wonderful thing. Stillness and quietness. And at the end of the 30 seconds, and I will tell you when it's over, at the end of the 30 seconds, then say the words that echo your heart's true feelings. That you want to know what you are. That you want to remember your home. That you want to know the perfection of your being. That you want to know God's love for you. God loves you. You want to know God's love. Now. Now you want to know God's love. So let's begin the silence now. Okay, say the words now to yourself. Let them come from your heart. Do not worry about whether or not you believe them. You are echoing what you know is in your heart. Okay. Open your eyes for just a moment. Now, let's reverse that. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is first say the words. I want to know how much God loves me. I want to know my oneness. I want to know heaven. Here and now. I want to know home here and now. You haven't left home. Home surrounds you. You have not left it. God loves you. You have not managed to change yourself. You are exactly as you have always been. This is just a little dream. Now you wish to wake up a little. So now, say the words, and then... After you've said the words, quiet your mind and be as still as you can and see if you cannot feel just a little of God's love. Now, don't tell yourself what this feels like. Don't ask yourself if you manage to feel it. You are opening your heart to light. And if your mind starts up again, it is all right to say a few words more it's all right to say what you know is true I am so happy because God loves me I feel so peaceful and at rest I'm so confident in the truth I feel so near to God now those are facts do not be afraid to say those facts you're not asking for anything in the world when you say that And so now, say the words and then follow with the stillness and drink in the love of God. Bask for a moment in God's love for you. Bask in it like the new spring sun.
Okay. Now, back to dishes. This might seem like the other side of the coin. These little pauses that you make a hundred times a day, they are one thing. Of course, you want a sustained period of meditation. Oftentimes, it's good to, to schedule that later in the day if you tend to become discouraged later in the day. Of course, you want to wake in the morning and turn your thought to God and take a few moments to turn your thought to God. And of course, you wish to pause before you go to sleep. Forgive yourself for the blunders that you made this day or anything that happened. And rest a minute in God's love. But in addition to that, you take these little breaks every time you remember. You practice stillness. Even though it seems to lead nowhere, you practice it. Now, in addition to that, there are dishes to be washed. You see, everything is connected. So before you, before you wash dishes, you've got to buy dishes. <laughs> Can you buy dishes in peace? Do you dislike your dishes if you got them because of some coupon at Safeway? <laughs> Does this, does this have an aura of uh, shabbiness? And, uh, so you buy your dishes in peace so you can use your dishes in peace. See how it's connected? And you get your dishes home and you bless the person who sold you your dishes. You forgive yourself because they went on sale the day after you bought them. <laughs> and then you put your dishes up. <clears throat> How will you put your dishes up? How will you pick your dishes up and place them on the shelf? Or wherever you store them? How will you do that? Will you do it as if the Son of God himself will eat off of that dish? You are the daughter, the son, the child of God. It is the child of God that will eat off of that dish. That's how you place it upon the shelf. No one can tell you how to do that, and no one can see that you're doing it that way. There's no behavior in this. This is a love. This is a quality. This is your purpose, what you set beforehand. And if you see you're not putting the dishes away in that manner, you pause and set your purpose. And then you take the dish down and you place it on the table. And how do you put your food on the dish? As if the child of God himself were to eat from that dish. And do you see how that is connected to how you prepared the food and how you bought the food? And how you shopped for the food. And how you spent your money. And how you earned your money to spend for the food. And all this time there were these little sprinklings of meditations that you were doing. And all this. It's all one thing. And now you've eaten from the dish. And the time has come to wash it. If you set the purpose of getting the dishes washed you're in big trouble. This can't be a meditation. There's nothing to do but wash dishes. Someone told me this last week that he had become a house husband and wife. He didn't know this was going to happen to him at 40 or 45 or however old he is, 35, whatever he is. It does not matter it does not matter what your occupation is or how you spend your time. Do you see how foolish this is? Do you see how soon it will be that you will be lying on your deathbed and this whole little thing will be over and it will make no difference what your little occupation was or whether you were a house husband or what you were or emperor of the world. It doesn't make any difference. If you were emperor of the world, they hated you. Wanted you out of office. <laughs> and so you wash the dishes. And you look at each dish. 
The child of God has eaten off of this dish. Let me read you something else. <laughs> this is uh, lesson 156. You cannot walk the world apart from God because you could not be without him. He is what your life is. Where you are, he is. There is one life. That life you share with him. Yet where he is, there must be holiness as well as life. No attribute of his remains unshared by everything that lives. What lives is holy as himself because what shares his life is part of holiness and could no more be sinful than the sun could choose to be of ice, the sea elect to be a part. You see, there is all the sin is in this little imaginary identity. All the mistakes and all the shabbiness and everything you get after yourself about is in this little imaginary identity. It makes no difference. Begin again. Don't spend time regretting that kind of stuff. Or the grass to grow with roots suspended in the air. There is a light in you which cannot die whose presence is so holy that the world is sanctified because of you. All things that live bring gifts to you and offer them in gratitude and gladness at your feet. The scent of flowers is their gift to you. The waves bow down before you and the trees extend their arms to shield you from the heat and lay their leaves before you on the ground that you may walk in softness while the wind sinks to a whisper around your holy head. That is what ate off of the dish. You see, one of the mistakes that we make is that we try to look beyond the body for the truth of being. Love the body. This is where you think the child of God resides. There's no point in arguing with that. Of course, the child of God is not a body. But at this time, that's how we see the child of God. Love your body. Love the body of your spouse. Love your child's body. When did you last look at your dog? When did you really look at your dog? Love your dog. Love your, love your, uh, your old uh, aunt. Love, love the little uh, uh, warts and things and the liver spots and all that. You see, it doesn't make any difference. This can be very, very charming. Why have we made of age and ugliness? It is so silly. Have you looked at these wonderful, wonderful faces? Have you seen Winnie Beasley? This, this we were talking about this uh, thing. You see. This can be a wonderful thing. This is not a comparison. This is not something to long for. It's just that if you will see the child of God, you will love the body. Do not look beyond the body. Do not ask if animals have souls and get caught up into those silly kinds of questions. Love your cat. Love the little sprig of whatever it is that's suddenly grown up out of this con massive concrete in front of your apartment. How did it do that? Bend down and see it. Now I know in the 60s this whole this stuff was abused terribly. We had this sensitivity training and all this stuff and maybe some of you were in those groups, you know. Uh, and uh, of course we're not talking about that. We're not talking about becoming some sort of Enlightened being that walks like gods among peons. We're not talking about some sort of kung fu awareness where you know everything around you, do you see? No one will notice anything different except that they perhaps will notice that they're a little more comfortable, a little more relaxed when they're around you. They'll attribute it to something else. <laughs> they just switched the brand of milk. And they, they know that's the reason. You see, it now has acidophilus, and so of course they're, they feel better. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Have you seen the light on a soap bubble? Have you? When is the last time you noticed the light? How it reflects on a soap bubble as you're washing the dishes. There is beauty in anything. Take the time to see it. Sit down and eat your meal in peace. Clean the dishes in peace. Put them back up in peace. God is all around you. It is as if God is packed inside that door and that curtain and these beams and everything. It's all right to take time to notice it and love it. The same with clothes. You buy your clothes for the child of God. You hang your clothes in a closet in a way that the child of God will take them down. You put them on as if you were dressing the child of God. You wear what other children of God will be comfortable around. There is no rule for that. There is no color to choose. There's nothing to figure out about that. There's a difference between being a friendly, comfortable, welcoming appearance and being attractive. Would you feel more comfortable around Dr. Shaw if he had an eye tuck? <laughs> of course not. You see? It doesn't mean you shouldn't get an eye tuck. <laughs> and so with every aspect of your life, when is the last time, for example, that you laid your attention upon your handwriting? This is an interesting thing. Just notice your handwriting and it improves. Do you know why it improves? Because you are the child of God. And whenever your mind is in the present, the child of God is entered into the thing. Of course your handwriting improves the minute you notice it. Just as your mind improves the minute you notice it. Just as this relationship improves as soon as you notice the other person. We are always, <laughs> we are always observing something. You see, it's not that you become more observant. You're merely changing what you observe. What you are now observing are all these little thoughts about the past and the future. That's what your whole, your whole attention is fixed on. So this isn't more observation. This is a shift in observation to the present and to what you're doing. And doing it with quality and peace. And as the reading that preceded this service said, setting the purpose beforehand with each thing that you do so that you have the purpose of peace whether it's going to a party or doing the shopping or washing the dishes or whatever it is or making the bed or cleaning the bathroom or whatever it is you set your purpose beforehand so it's for peace so it serves the purpose of bringing you home so we're always observing something for example uh, a woman brought her mother and daddy to the service uh, a couple Sundays ago. Uh, she told me that they were very, very strict Catholics and they were in town visiting her. And uh, she said, uh, why don't you go to Mass? But I've got to go to the dispensable church. We beat them if they don't come, you see. And uh, they said, oh no, we want to go where you go. So, he said, okay. <laughs> so uh, she set them on the little uh, hard metal chairs. And uh, her mother said uh, there were some people in front of her who had longish hair. Why don't they wash their hair? I don't understand why they don't wash their hair. Shh, mother. <laughs> well, you washed your hair this morning. Why don't they wash their hair? So that went on for a while, you see. Something was being observed. You see, it wasn't that nothing was being observed. The hair was being observed. Her dad was on the other side of her. 
About that time, our little prayer meeting that we had before the service broke up, and I came through, she said. And her father turned to her and said, Are those his women? (laughs) And she said, uh, She said, No, Dad, uh, they're like nuns who go to the altar. The story has an happy ending. After the service, she took them to 10,000 ways and set them in a hot tub. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, John, do you have a... Oh, there you see, he was out there. (laughs) Wasn't that a lovely song? John, did... (laughs) Was that the song that you wrote uh, for when we went to the new church? Uh, No, I wrote that later ago. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that was the one. That was the one you were going to sing. Uh, if you don't know, we're moving May the 1st uh, into this church that um, Pastor Garza shepherds. And uh, it looks like a church, I have to warn you. One of our deacons got physically sick. She had ne- she'd never been inside of a church. It looks like a church. 